Last week, we did a little bit of 2 Corinthians 10, and then we heard Gideon's stories, and those were all really cool. I'm going to rehash just a little bit of the beginning of 2 Corinthians 10, and then we're going to go through the whole chapter. And this, this whole chapter is very applicable to 2022, but not at first glance, not at first skim. And I've been, I've been, you know, camping out in this chapter for, for two weeks now and looking at it. And the more, um, the more you see what Paul is doing here, the more you see how much we, we can learn a lot from what he's doing. Because he is arguing and defending himself and arguing his case with words, right? So he didn't have Facebook, he had scrolls and he had letters to send. But a lot of what he does in here, gosh, you guys, it just, it fits the way that everybody is disagreeing with everybody in 2022, and it just really, it really fits. So remember, he's writing this letter and he's saying, I am begging you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. So he's already saying, I'm not coming to you like, to you like a tough guy that has a loud car. I'm not coming to you like some brutal leader that's going to force you into believing what I have to tell you and you better agree with me or I'm just going to open up. He says, I'm coming to you to convince you of some things with meekness and gentleness. So he's already saying, I am not coming heavy handed. I am coming meek and gentle. You might have been in a situation where there's somebody that said something and you disagree with them. They are just wrong. They are messed up. I've had this in my life. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this dude is such an idiot. Why does he even say this? Why does he think this? And then you run into them in person on the street. And you're like, hey, how's it going? I haven't seen you for a while. How's your kids? How's your wife? Dude, did you see that Star Wars movie? You know, and everything's fine. And, ah. and then you leave and you're like, man, I just couldn't bring myself to tell that guy what a stupid idiot he was. I should have just... Man, if I saw him again, I would just open up on him. And... It's terrible, isn't it? Like, we are just so messed up. We are so backwards. What if instead, when we saw something that we disagree with, we see something that is just wrong, just messed up, we were like, hmm, how can I approach those people with the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Hmm. So I immediately think, well, Jesus went in and kicked that table over and he made those whips and he ran all the... Okay, yeah, he did that. But that's not what Paul's talking about right here. He is writing these people that are against him, 
that he is disagreeing with and he is saying, I am begging you with the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. I, I am humble when I'm face to face with you, but bold toward you when I am away. He's being sarcastic. This is what people are criticizing him of. The other apostles, the Judaizers that came, not the, the 12 apostles, but other people that came, they said, oh, he's so tough in his letters. But have you seen him? There, there's a, um, there's a, a history from about 200 AD that they found a physical description of Paul. And 200 AD, so not too, you know, maybe 100 years old from, from when, maybe 150 years old after he was walking around. And it said that he was short and he was balding and he had a really, really hooked nose and one eyebrow. And when you looked at him, sometimes you were seeing the face of a grumpy man and sometimes you were seeing the face of an angel. That's what it says in the same little phrase as his hooked nose and his balding hair and his one big eyebrow. They they also convey. Sometimes he had the face of an angel, whatever that means. But that's that's his description. And so he's saying, you know, those people say that I'm really bold in my letters, but I'm I'm not intimidating when I see you in person. He's saying, I don't even want to be intimidating. I want to come to you with the meekness and the gentleness of Christ. We walk in the flesh. We're not waging war according to the flesh. Oh, I disagree with this guy. What he did was really wrong. When I see him, I'm going to punch him in the face. That's walking in the flesh. That's going to, I mean, literally, right? I'm going to fix this problem that I have with him with meat on meat. That's not how the Lord works. The Lord works in the spirit, right? I can punch that guy all I want, and all I'm going to do is go to jail. I'm not going to change his heart. And I don't want to change his heart anyway. I want God to change his heart. And so we don't fight with the weapons that the world fights. We don't get our shotgun. We don't, we don't do any of that stuff. We pray. We pray and we ask the Lord, Lord, change this stupid idiot. And even if your prayer starts like that, it's better than waging war in the flesh. Because if you stand before God and you look at him talking about 10 days of awe and you look at this person that you're praying for, you'll realize that you're both standing in the same spot because there's God and there's both of you. It's like when I'm driving down the Lloyd and I see a whole bunch of people texting and it drives me crazy. So I get out my phone to text my wife to tell her how crazy it is that everybody's texting on the Lloyd. Wait a minute. Maybe I need to put my phone away. So we don't fight with the weapons of this world. We pray and gosh, they have divine power to destroy strongholds. If I can change somebody, Dan Sullivan brings about change in somebody. Wow, big deal, right? If the Holy Spirit brings about change in somebody, wow, 
transformation. Absolutely different than a Dan Sullivan change. The Holy Spirit change will be so deep, will be so right and wise and pure and good. And Dan Sullivan might not even ever see that change. It might not even be visible. You might want to not like the way somebody does something. You might know somebody that has some beliefs that they have. And if you address them on that belief, all of a sudden they're defending themselves against you. And gosh, who wants to lose to you? Right? Nobody wants to lose to you. But if we talk about things, and if we pray for people and we ask questions and we really want to learn, all of a sudden they might lose to the Holy God. And we all want to lose. We all want to surrender to the Holy God, right? That might even help them beat you. If they have a revelation that you couldn't give them, that God could, you might be able to learn from them. So he says in verse seven, look at what is before your eyes. If anyone is confident that he is Christ, let him remind himself that just as he is Christ, so are we. This is one of the best things to help. Whenever you're complaining about somebody, whenever I am upset about this church did this or this church did that or this. Whoa, wait, now wait. If they're a Christian, if they believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins, rose from the dead and is coming again in glory, then they're a part of a body that I too am a part of. And we are part of the same body and that body is Christ's. And so whatever I say about them, I'm saying about my own body. Gosh, I used to have a buddy and sometimes I would complain about church and he would say, I would really like it if you wouldn't talk about Jesus's wife like that. Because that's how the Bible talks about the church. That's how the Bible talks about people in Corinth that were nasty. That they are the bride of Christ. They are Jesus's beautiful bride. And so now all of a sudden, if this is Jesus's beautiful bride, but she's doing that, that is messed up. I'm going to deal with it in a different way. To talk about it a different way. In the garden, there was the, gar the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and there was the tree of life. And I, I love to bring this question up whenever somebody is complaining about another Christian person. And I bring it up to myself. I'm, I'm the best at quizzing myself at this, right? When we start to question this person, their beliefs, and how could they believe that? And how could they do this thing? And how could they do that thing? Are we taking that person to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and judging them by that? Which is the tree we're not even supposed to eat from, not even the good side. Everybody's like, oh, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I just want to eat from the good side of the tree. Uh-uh, it doesn't work that way. Or the tree of life. The tree of life, which was Jesus, which was Christ in their presence. And he said, you know, Eat from me and you will live forever. That was the original plan there. Even though he knew they would rebel. 
So when we, when we complain about something or we don't like how something goes or we disagree with somebody, are we judging them by good and evil? This is a good thing to do. This is an evil thing to do. This is a good thing to do. This is an evil thing to do. Are we judging by life? Okay, where is God's life being shown in this? And maybe it isn't. But the goal is I want Christ's life to show in it. It's not that I want them to do right or wrong. It's that I want Christ's life to show. And if Christ's life is going to show in it, maybe it starts with having mercy on them for the wrong thing they're doing. Wow, now all of a sudden life is showing from this relationship and this disagreement. So whenever we start to judge somebody, whenever we start to criticize somebody, the very first question, there's only two kinds of people in the world, right? Christians and not. <laughs> Saved and not. And gosh, Christians can do a lot of bad stuff. They can really mess up. And as soon as I go to before the throne of Christ to tell Jesus about this stupid, oh, uh, I mean, we, they can't do it. Now, now my prayer changes. So he's telling them, Corinthians, if you think you're Christians and you're saying you're Christ's, not like me. I'm the first person that told you about Christ. If anybody is a Christian in this equation, it's me, Corinth. So don't start saying you're Christians and I'm not, even if these apostles come and tell you that I'm not the real deal. Because you first believed because what I told you. I was the first one there. <laughs> I love that. I love how Paul says that. Then... He quotes them. They say, verse 10, his letters are weighty and strong, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is of no account. This is just stupid, okay? Um, there's a logical fallacy called, um, I forgot it. It's against the person, ad hominem. It's where you're wrong because of who you are. Oh, sure, Dan Sullivan would say that. He lives in a hundred-year-old house. And so anything that I would say about houses is discredited just because of who I am that I live in a hundred-year-old house. Well, sure, Dan Sullivan would say that because he wears brown leather shoes. So it's an attack against me. It has nothing to do with the argument. It's just an attack against the person. This is what I see on Facebook more than anything else. You say that because you're blank has nothing to do with the thing that we're talking about. There's starving children in the world. Well, of course, you've all been out of shape about starving people in the world. You're a Cubs fan. What is having a Cubs fan? And I'm using silly examples. That's how silly these things are. But people are really attacking people personally has nothing to do with the thing that they're talking about. And let's, you know, there's starving children. What can we do about the starving children in the world? Let's... Let's engage. Let's not just complain about it and rant about it. Paul's opponents are saying, you shouldn't listen to Paul the, Paul the Apostle. His bodily presence is weak and his speech is of no account. He can't even talk very good. He's not even a very good speaker. Gosh, this is a classic, again, totally relevant to 2022. You can go to a church, you can hear a podcast, you can listen to a recording of a preacher, and you can be like, oh gosh, I just can't listen to that guy. 
I just can't listen to that guy because his Southern accent and I can't take him seriously. I can't listen to that guy because I heard one time back in 1970, he voted for Jimmy Carter and gosh, I can't listen to a word he says. Those are all arguments against the people, right? Balaam, who was a sort of prophet, was spoken to and heard from the Lord from the mouth of a donkey. If he could listen and get info from the Lord through the mouth of a donkey, that means I could pretty much get something from the Lord from anybody I listen to. Wow. Okay, so what if they're just speaking lies and speaking all kinds of untruth? All of a sudden, tree of knowledge of good and evil, tree of life, where is the life in this or where is the life not? What are they saying and why is it wrong and why do I think it's wrong? When I was a pastor at the rescue mission, we'd have all these guest speakers in every night and the next day I'd have Bible study with all the guys and they'd be like, oh, I don't know about that guy last night. And I'd say, whoa, whoa, whoa. If you're going to speak against any of my chapel speakers, you got to bring chapter and verse. I don't like him doesn't count. But I want you to show me chapter and verse of where he was wrong. And to their credit, some of those guys brought me chapter and verse and I had to fire those chapel speakers, which was really exciting. Because that showed those guys that I was listening to them. And then I valued God's word over keeping all my chapel speakers happy. Because if they, if they weren't in line with that, they could go volunteer somewhere else. Whoa, serious. So it's not just saying everybody's okay and everybody's happy and let's all get along. There, there are conflicts, but gosh, let's let it be about the real thing, right? Oh, I can't listen to him because he's got red hair. Whatever. No. Let such a person understand that what we say by letter when absent, we will do when we are present. Paul's saying, look, I will do everything that I am writing in my letters when I see you. And some of this, you got to just think, okay, who worked the miracles? And Paul says this in the letter. What miracles showed up when these other apostles came? What miracles showed up when Paul came? Do you remember when Jesus said, if you don't believe me by my words, at least, at least believe me by the miracles that I work. I think this is a huge weakness in the church today. Is that we're not even up to the level of working miracles sometimes. We, our good deeds are, are lacking. If we could say to our neighbors, if we could say to these people on Facebook that we disagree with, if you don't believe me, at least believe my good works. At least believe all the good things that I've done, that I have done with you together in our friendship. And if all of a sudden the person that you're disagreeing with or arguing with, you're like, you know what? I don't have anything in our friendship or our relationship that I've done good with them. Then what are we doing? There's a time where Whenever I would disagree with somebody, I would invite them out to lunch or I'd have them out to donuts. And I remember I would tell my wife, I was like, this dude, I heard his sermon and it is so messed up. I have to figure out where in the world he was coming from. And I want to meet with him and have donuts 
and get to know him. And the more I met with people and hung out with them and befriended them, the more I understood that I was interpreting them wrong. That the problem wasn't with what they were preaching or saying, it was with my interpretation of it that I was biased about. You guys look up uh, reviews on Google for restaurants or you wanna know how this review is or this restaurant or what to eat here. Do you realize that all of those reviews say more about the person writing the review than they do about the restaurant? So you see that review that says, they didn't even have their phone number on the door. I can't call them to see what they have. One star. You're like, you didn't even go there to eat and you reviewed their door. And who calls a restaurant to see what they serve? It's right here next to where you wrote your review. That review says more about the person than about the restaurant, right? This happens with people. People will say, you know, I went to this so-and-so church and I heard this sermon and it was just the most boring thing and it went all over the place and da-da-da-da-da or the music was too loud or the music was too soft and I couldn't understand. There are some people getting reached by that guy. There are some people that are engaging with that music. So the, the person's opinion of it says more about that person than about the place. That's what Paul is getting at here. And these people that are criticizing him, he says, not that we dare classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. When they measure themselves by another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. These other apostles are comparing themselves to Paul. They're comparing themselves to other apostles. And when they do that, we're all in the same boat. We're all only what God empowers us to be. And so it's foolish to compare ourselves with other people. It's foolish to compare ourselves. Paul's saying these apostles that compare themselves to other apostles, they're all, it's without understanding. They don't understand what the whole goal is. Who's the best preacher? Is the best preacher the guy that has the best watch? Is the best preacher, you know, that's what he's saying about these apostles. Who's the best apostle? Remember, this is Corinth. 1 Corinthians, when he starts in 1 Corinthians, he says, some of you say I follow Paul. Some of you say I follow Apollos. Some of you say they were all picking and choosing who the best was. Ugh. I used to work at a church and people would call on Friday to see who's preaching on Sunday because there were different preachers. And the lady on the phone, she didn't want to tell them because she knew whoever she said the people were calling just to decide if they wanted to come that Sunday or not. If they wanted to hear this preacher, if they wanted to hear that preacher. <laughs> and they finally, she complained about that and was like, what do I do? And uh, the staff, the, the pastors that were getting picked and chosen, they said, why don't you just tell people we have service at 1030? Let's, why don't you come and see? <laughs> just made everybody mad together. Let them be mad. Again, this fits so much for us in 2022, you guys. How often do we compare ourselves to other people? How often do we compare how we're doing with how so-and-so's doing? And am I measuring up? Is it going the same way? Are they as happy as I am? Am I as happy as they are? How do I compare myself? Gosh. 
If you compare yourselves with one another, you're without understanding. There's only one comparison that needs to be made. Happy 10 days of awe. You are God and I am not. God, what has God made you into? What are you in his eyes? You are completely adequate and sufficient. God has made you into the likeness of his son whom he loves. That is the only comparison I need to worry about. And it's already done. Now all I have to do is enjoy it. The burger's cooked. It's all put together. It's all mine to enjoy. And all of that was without any of my works. The thief on the cross. What did the thief on the cross do? Was he uh, baptized by dripping or immersion? Well... Did he, um, how much of his income did he give to the poor? What, what rally did he stand against? He just got saved and he was in paradise with Jesus. Wow. So all of that wraps up in verse 13 to the end. We will not boast beyond our limits, but we will boast only with regard to the area of influence God has assigned us to reach you. Paul saying, I'm not going to brag about what a super apostle I am, but I am going to brag. I'm going to brag about what God has done. God has done awesome stuff in my life, and I want to tell you about it. That's what he said. Okay. We're not overextending ourselves. We're not going to, uh, we're not going to over brag. We're not going to embellish the story because the story of what God has done in each of your lives is awesome just the way it is. Even if all God did was have mercy on your soul and save you, and he didn't use you for a lick of his work for another day, that story would be great. But I know God is using you, and God is working in you. He says, we're not going to boast about what he's done beyond our limits. We can just boast in what he's already done. And then he goes on to say, and I'm going to boast in what he's done so that when I come to you, I will go on beyond where you are. And I'm going to preach the gospel to more people because that's where God is sending me. In the lands beyond you, without boasting of work already done and in other areas of influence. Basically, he's saying, I want to go to more people that have never heard the gospel before. So I don't have to deal with all this garbage of who is the best apostle. Jesus is Lord. I want people to argue and consider and meditate on how great Jesus is, not which preacher came to them is the best. So I'm going to go where they've never seen a preacher before, where they've never heard about Jesus before, and they can just be in awe of Jesus. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. There's this great, this great line that uh, they say, Pastor, if you had an awesome sermon and a huge offering and a zillion people in your pews, give glory to God. Don't take pride in yourself. Because the next Sunday, when nobody shows up and the pews are empty and there ain't no offering, that's not, you should not take credit and get down on yourself for that either. It's the Lord's work. It's like, wow. Okay, wait, so I am called to be faithful 
Each one of us is called to be faithful to what the Lord would have us do. But the fruit and the results are up to his work in the people. Doesn't that make us free? Waiting in line at Hardee's. I see somebody that's downtrodden and just upset. And if I say to them, I feel like the Lord wants me to say, can I pray for you right now? Whatever they do, whatever their response is up to what the Lord is doing in them and up to their decision. The thing that I had to do, what I felt like the Lord was asking me to do at that moment was to ask them, do you want me to pray for you right now? People will come to our door and they're going through the neighborhood and they're telling everybody about Jesus. And sometimes I go out on the porch and I talk to him and I encourage him and I cheer him on. And I'm like, we love Jesus. Our lives depend on Jesus. I don't want to take any of your time, but can I pray for you guys and send you on? Uh, I did that one day. This guy had this, he had a pocket on his pants that held an entire study Bible like this giant. It's like, dude, what is that? And he said, I'm an umpire. And this is a pocket that holds five softballs. And one day I realized that would be perfect to put my Bible in. It's like, that is awesome. <laughs> just, just aside. Jesus said, if you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. What's really great is he didn't say in there, if you abide in me, you'll get people to bear a lot of fruit. If you abide in me, you'll get a whole bunch of people to agree with you and take your side. No, he said, if you abide in me, you'll bear much fruit. In the same conversation, he said, love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. I have all kinds of friends on Facebook that believe all sorts of crazy things. And when I have a Christian disagreement with a Christian brother, I have it in person over donuts. Because I don't need my Buddhist friend that thinks the problem with the real world is religion to watch me bad-mouthing Jesus' wife online. Same thing happens in real life. I don't, need, I don't need to show off how different I am from my Christian brother or Christian sister. If I'm afoot, I don't need to show off how different I am than the eyeball. Because by my love for my brothers and sisters, I will show that I am Jesus' disciple. So last thing, there's a whole bunch of people that don't do this and they do it terribly and they're Christians. What do we do with them? And it's really hard, right? Because you see the guy and you see the girl and you hear and you're like, wow, that is not Christian. Pray. Pray for that person. Pray for them. Say, Lord, work in that person's life and bless them and free them from that. And you might, you might pray once and that's it. You might pray every single time. 
and then trust the Lord to work in their life. If they're a public figure, they it might cost them a whole lot to change their mind publicly and to say that they were wrong about this or they were wrong about that. After Yasser Arafat, Yasser Arafat, the leader of the Palestinian Liberation Organization, like uh, very much against Israel, uh, leaders of modern day terrorists. After he died, there were a couple stories that came out of Christians that had talked to him. And he said things like, the more I hear about your Jesus from the scripture, the more I love him. Now, could Yasser Arafat say publicly that he became a Christian? No way. Nobody would believe it. But what happens in somebody's heart and soul when they love Jesus? Wow. There were rumors that Hamid Karzai, the leader of Afghanistan, the president of Afghanistan, people said that he had become a Christian and that's why this public policy changed and this public policy changed. I don't think anybody would let him say that he was a Christian, even if he was a Christian, even if he tried. But that's not on us. We don't get to sit in that chair and judge him on that last day. Praise God. Jesus does. And so there's all kinds of people that we interact with that we can pray for their salvation. We can pray for their heart and soul. We can pray that the sins that I struggle with and that I succumb to are not nearly as public as that person's sins and that person's false belief. The things that I believe that are messed up and wrong aren't nearly as public as, as Joe Biden's things that he believes that are messed up and wrong. But I can, I'm in the same row of seats with him in needing a savior and receiving the grace of Jesus. And so I can pray for him. I, I, may, I named him, I could have named anybody, right? And so, so we pray for those strongholds to fall because God has the power to bring them down and to change them. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you bring not a revolution of guns and kingdoms and boundaries and, and borders of countries, but you bring a, a revelation revolution in our souls. And that you save us from the inside out. I pray that you would do it, Lord. I pray for your church and all the ways that she disagrees with herself. <laughs> all the ways that we Christians argue and disagree with one another, Lord. That you would help us to have the meekness and the gentleness of Christ as we talk to one another, as we care for one another, and ultimately as we love one another. Show us have mercy on us and teach us your ways, Lord. We love you, we honor you, and we exalt you. You are worth it all. And you are better than every idea we could ever have. We love you, Lord. Amen.